So, I, Sandy, I don't know if you know, but today's sermon topic in our Holy Spirit series is the gifts of miracles and healing. <laughs> so, this is new territory for us as a church. I have been a part of Sterling for 13 years, and I have never heard anyone preach on this. And we are preaching on it for good reason, because we're wanting to go where Scripture allows us, and then stay where Scripture gives us restrictions. But uh, if you're joining us for the first time, you are joining us in a part 11 of our, our series on the Holy Spirit. And we've come to a, a place in our series where we're talking about the work of the Spirit in the church. And so if you have your Bibles, won't you please open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. All right, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. And we're just going to read till verse 11 this morning. One Corinthians 12, verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Can we all say common good? These manifestations are good. Verse 8. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. Here it is, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And uh, we've been saying over our number of weeks together that friends... The Holy Spirit loves the church. It's very important. The Holy Spirit loves to glorify Christ, and to glorify Christ on earth is to glorify His body, the church. And friends, it will change your life if you see how much the Holy Spirit loves these brothers and sisters. And if you're going to be a Spirit-led or Spirit-filled person, we talked about the daily infillings of the Spirit where we come under His influence daily, and these special infillings which fast-track grace in our hearts. Friends, the outworking of it, one of the outworkings will be this place and the church at large will be very precious to you. At the end of your life, what you will measure your life by as having been lived well will be, however, love the saints. And uh, I want to remind you that Paul says, this is, this is right, in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, he says we are to pursue love. Friends, the mark of the Spirit working in your heart through this series is not necessarily superman supernatural manifestations. It is that your heart is much wider and broader towards these people sitting next to you. This is not a place you merely come to. This is a place where you belong and participate and care for. But part of that expression is in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, he goes on to say, 
that the Spirit has equipped us to express this love for the church in giving us spiritual gifts. And so in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, you can say, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. That's what we're preaching on, is we want there to be an atmosphere of faith matched with love. And Paul says it beautifully in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7. He says, to each, every single believer here in this room today and listening, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. What for? For the common good is that we would love our brothers and sisters and friends. What we are contending for is an atmosphere of leaning in as a church. Can I ask you this morning, are you eager to be a blessing to the people you're going to be with forever? And what we want is an atmosphere of Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, where faith is working itself out through love. And so we're discussing the gifts today of healing and the working of miracles, and we're deliberately doing it to take back what these gifts have been stolen from the church by unusually strange people with long titles and funny clothes, right? We want to take back this blessing, this common good to the church, along with prophecy and tongues we looked at the previous two weeks. But we want to to take back what has been uh, an abuse and scandal, a scandalous use of these gifts. And friends, I want to remind you that if you believe in the Bible, these gifts are legitimate along with all the others, and they are for the blessing of the church, not the doctor, apostle, prophets. I'm very sorry. And when they are sought in a godly way, they are a blessing to God's people. And uh, I heard that you have been encouraged by how simple these spiritual gifts are. In actual fact, each one of these gifts should be known at a fundamental level of Christian experience. Um, Prophecy is merely hearing from God for another and sharing it. Tongues is merely a form of prayer and communion. Today we're going to look at how we actually all pray for miracles on a regular basis. And we all long for people around us to be healed. And we pray for it. Friends, as Christians, these, these gifts, as Dave Kettles reminded me, need to be demystified in Scripture. Uh, gifts are merely an increased operation of the Spirit in, in what should be a normal Christian longing and experience. And so let's work through these two gifts today. The first point is the working of miracles. And in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 10, it says there, to another, the working of miracles. And in the list of 1 Corinthians 12, the, 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 the gift of healing or gifts of healing is distinguished from the gift of miracles. But I'm putting this one first because... Um, the gift of miracles or the working of miracles helps us understand the gift of healing. And um, I want to admit that this gift is rare in the church today. And I think my opinion is the reason for this is on the one hand, you've got your charismatic Pentecostal churches which have abused it badly, which grieves the spirit. On the other hand, you've got your mainline churches preaching a cessationism, which says these things don't work anymore, which also grieves the spirit. And so the atmosphere in the church is one of uh, absence of seeing these things because I would put it to you in this room here, we are more scared of these gifts and the way they've been used than open to their blessing. And so the atmosphere in the church is quite low. If you put like all the gifts in the church that I would say we'd be open to discerning of spirits and very open to teaching, praise God. But if it came to this, don't think so. But friends, Paul says, although not everybody has these gifts operating, some, some do. He says in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 29, 
He says, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? But he says, he's implying that, that some, some do. And I just want to have faith. And I'll land on the end. The atmosphere of love is to minister to each other's needs, particularly through prayer. But perhaps there is someone here who feels stirred in this way to be a blessing to God's people. And uh, the Greek word for, for the working of miracles, that word miracle is, is dunamis. It, it is miraculous power or miraculous force. Um, it is an intervention of the supernatural. And the definition I have for the working of miracles, it, it is the special ability given by the Spirit to alter the ordinary course of nature. I'll say it again. It is a special ability. Won't you say special ability? And when you say given by the Spirit to alter the ordinary course of nature. And uh, this is important. It is a flash of God's supernatural power on planet Earth to change a natural order of things. And there's plenty of examples in the Bible. Laurie set me up so well in his corporate prayer time. I mean, look at the life of Moses. Uh, parting the Red Sea would be considered a miracle, right? Uh, I mean, uh, what about striking a rock and water coming out from it? Uh, I mean, Joshua praying for the sun to stand still, the ordinary course of the 24 hours in a day, and God answered, and he, he froze the sun. What about Elijah, my little boy's favorite story, fire coming down from heaven, right? What about Jesus turning water into wine or feeding the 5,000? I mean, those five loaves and two fish that only have fed one tummy and fed 5,000 plus more to spare. Command over the weather, Jesus commands. Um, Paul, many examples in the book of Acts, he even raised Eutychus from the dead. We know he preached a long time, didn't take the hint when the guy fell out the window, raised him from the dead, went back and preached all morning. You guys are getting it easy this morning, right? Uh, friends, and can I say, this was so wonderful for me in thinking about this gift. Do you know that, that every Christian knows what it means to trust God for his miraculous intervention? We do. We just don't talk like that. How many of you, when there was a drought recently, prayed for rain, right? What you are asking for is God's dunamis. God, the natural weather patterns ignoring East London. <laughs> we need the God of the storm clouds to direct rain. We need a change in the order of things. We're trusting. I remember my, my Afrikaans teacher, she was a very conservative Dorpatkerk lady, but in the free state, the farmers knew. I was so challenged by Laurie's word this morning about asking the Lord when there's trouble first. These guys would get together, and she said the congregation would come together and pray. She says, and remember, I'll never forget. She said, guys, I kid you not, as the congregation left that, that meeting hall, the clouds came. God heard. And uh, friends, if any of you are, are praying for another's salvation, you are asking God for a miracle. We understand that the Holy Spirit has to do a miraculous work of grace in the human heart for it to be able to respond to Jesus. Amen? So we, we are familiar with this desire to see God's dunamis, His, His power, stepping into the natural order of things. And I, I, I say, well, I mean, what an opportunity for this gift. You need it. You have opportunity. Every time you open the news, right? I was so challenged when someone was sharing about how they're in the States and they're a church and they've got friends in another, in another a town which was on the course for the hurricane. Hurricane something or other. <laughs> I think it was one before Ian. And as a church, 
they just started to pray, say, Lord, would you spare our brothers and sisters? I mean, they, you, you see this desire to break droughts. You, how many of you have prayed for the war in Ukraine? Right? Um, averting hurricanes, global warming. Goodness me, there's lots of opportunity for God to break the natural order of things with his dunamis, right? How many of you are facing personal challenges? How many of you have testimonies when your car broke down and you prayed and God really came to the rescue? My mother was a great mechanic in our family through Jesus Christ. I was speaking with a Christian sister two weeks ago, and she was in great trouble, and she prayed, and it was as if this man walking down the corridor of darkness didn't even see her. There have been, uh, how many times have you needed finances, and you have prayed, and in the natural order of things, there is no money in the bank account, there is no money coming through, there's no quotes lined up, and somebody somewhere steps onto your front door and blesses you, or some money lands in your account. Friends, it's his God changing the natural order of things for your loving care and for the furthering of his kingdom. And I remember, the, I remember Angus Buchan, I think he has this gift. A friend of family friend of ours was serving on the catering team at one of the Mighty Men conferences back in the early days. And there were thousands of men. I mean, these are not vegetarians, okay? <laughs> these men love meats. They're boiches. And uh, these ladies knew how much food there was versus how many people were there. And Angus, in typical style, stood up and said, Guys, have as much as you want and come for seconds. And they just kept dishing and dishing and dishing and dishing. And there, all these people, these mana, full. And they looked back and they said, That was God. Now, I want to say, friends, how do you know if, if you might have this gift? And I want to say to you today, you do not need a white suit or platform for God to use you to be a blessing in this way. Friends, the need hasn't changed. Amen. God's kingdom needs to be advanced. People are in suffering. There are opportunities for God to minister. There are salvations in store. Friends, we've got an opportunity to be a blessing. So I, I want to nudge. How do you know if maybe the Holy Spirit's nudging you to be used in this way? And I just want to push pause there for a moment. A good friend of mine challenged me a couple of weeks ago. He said, Matt, you must be careful of saying that you know your gift by merely what you're good at. Because some gifts are prompted by the Spirit that go beyond what is a natural talent. And he's right. And I was like, I've got to preach on this today because who knows? How do you know? How do you know if the Spirit is nudging you in this way? Well, the primary mark, my friend, is if you have compassion for people who need it. It's very important. You are not interested in the public portrayal or recognition of this gift, you are interested in the person. And the kind of, come on, lovely wife, why don't you stand up quickly? Let's say Marina's having a really tough time. I, I, I don't know what her need might be. I, 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 I mean, I should know. I'm a husband, but I just push pause on that. But you have a conversation with Marina, and, and she's just sharing this distress. You know, um, uh, her husband has lost his job, and, you know, there's all this, you know, and, and, and um, there is, you know, there's some trouble there. And you are like a magnet. What was that? And in your heart, after the conversation, you may sit down. In your heart with Marina, afterwards, your time with the Lord, it could be in the moment, is you're just burdened for their well-being. Do you know what that's like? You are stirred. You go, God! 
You've got to do something here. And Jesus, my friends, had this heart. It's so important because it's the heart of God. But Jesus could say in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. Compassion. It wasn't that the glory has arrived. God forbids. Jesus came because of people. He came because of the heart of the Father to rescue, to be a blessing to those lost. He says, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Friends, if this is you, you are just stirred to go, this should not be. And, and what matches that is when you pray, the way that you know you might have this gift is you have an understanding of faith and the authority of God. I, I can't explain it more than this, but remember David? There's David. There's Goliath. is in front of him. Everybody else is cowering because this is just impossible. And what does David say when he rocks up? He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of the living God? is he could see that there is an authority over this. There is, and he had a faith, unusual. I mean, what kind of sane person would ever go face that kind of problem with five stones and a sling? That's what prayer feels like. This is ridiculous. How can I face this, this massive problem in, per, in this person's life, this natural order that is against everything that I know to be possible in, in, by sight and by my flesh? But in your heart, when you pray, the way that the Holy Spirit often uses you is He gives it to you. Not you. It's not your brilliant, oh, please, no, your recipes of nonsense. No, there's no, no clever words here. It is God giving you sight to see authority over this and a faith to match it. And, and friends, when that happens, you pray differently. You have a confidence to keep praying. It, I can't explain it. You'll know what I mean if it's happened to you. It doesn't happen all the time. It, there is no recipe. You can't switch it on. The prayer of faith is given by God. It's not made by human hands. But friends, you will unusually feel a sense of confidence in prayer and desire to see God's we need you to step in here, and you can do it. And with that comes a jealousy for God's glory. You, you, you see, remember what Jesus said, uh, what they said about Jesus? He shall reign until all his enemies are put under his feet. Sickness and death and these things that, 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 that damage God's good design for this world and people, it disturbs you. You say, God, we want to see your kingdom come here. We want to see your glory vindicated. We, want to, we know it's going to happen on that day when we glorify, but won't you come now on this day and demonstrate that you're King of kings and Lord of lords. You, you pray in that way. You have a hunger for God to be glorified. It annoys you that there's a lack of miracles in the church today. I, I, I must be honest. I, I'm challenged to pray for this gift. I haven't. And I've asked myself why. We should eagerly desire all these gifts. But I, I think the one that in my experience is nudged this way by the Spirit, they just see the church differently to other people. They say, well, if, if, if Jesus is king and ruling over the church, surely he can still be moving. Surely, surely there is, and, and, and there, there, the lack of power in the church disturbs you. It makes you want to pray more, and that's my final point. Is how do you know if this is your gift? You understand prayer. You, you're a man and woman of prayer. Is you, you, you express this longing to see God's glory come in talking to him. Friends, this kind of person realizes that the church is more than a classroom. I want to ask you, do you this morning? The church is much more than a lecture. It is the gathering of the people of God. 
and a God who is on the move. And so how can I use this gift? Well, friends, I want to say you are never going to use it unless you try. And what I mean by that is, let's say Laurie is um, got some distress in his job. You can stand as your turn, Laurie. Okay. Okay. Let's say you're having a coffee with Laurie. And can I say, how do you know you, you have this gift? Well, God just uses you more often than not. But anybody, anybody needs to be doing this. Everybody needs to be. So Laurie's in distress. He says, my, 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 I've got no work. My, my job is going bust. I've, I've got this health problem. And, and you say, okay, you, you are never going to see the gift used. You say, oh, shame. Can I pay for coffee? We'll chat next week. Cheers. No, no, you don't go. No, 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 yet. <laughs> is you love him, right? You're pursuing love. It disturbs you that he's in distress. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. You want to love. You love wants to see others flourish. Not so. And you pray. Say, Lord, you guys do it already. I'm just egging you on. Say, Lord, please, right then and there. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray together. And you trust God to intervene here and step in. Thank you, Larry. It's, you have to step out and do it. And, and I want to say, I, I'm challenged. I, I, I'm trying to figure out why I have this reticence. You know, I like the teaching aspect. I, I don't know why I'm, I, I'm, I'm nervous around the miraculous aspect. But friends, if we don't ask, James says, how can we get? We are to ask. And we are to look for opportunities to use it. And we do it tactfully. Nobody must say, I'm ready with a miracle. All right? I loved, um, Joey sent me a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said, the disciples never held healing services because they didn't know what God was going to do when they got together. As God set the agenda, let him set yours, but you be sure to be ready to be used. And can I say, why is this gift important? Why do we want to preach in it today? Friends, the glory of God and the attesting to the gospel is powerfully demonstrated in this gift. This gift is gospel-centered in the book of Acts. I mean, in Hebrews chapter 2, it says, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. The point is this, is the writer of the Hebrews saying, Guys, the gospel is powerfully proclaimed and vindicated when these things happen in people's lives. The salvation of God is declared as having come to planet earth by the sign of this kind of kingdom power. And I long, I, I'm not interested for Sterling to be known as a place where you can get your slot machine miracle. What I do want Sterling to be known for is the gospel. And the gospel being attested to by a living God. Amen. A God who answers prayer. A God who is able to step into situations and actively through a loving people with dunamis. Bring change. Uh, why should this gift be used? Because of the relief of those who are in need. Friends, the need is great out there and in here. Not so? What an opportunity to pray. And the advancing of God's kingdom on earth. If you read, you remember, who of you have read God's Smuggler, Brother Andrew? Any of you? I highly recommend. It's an old schooler, right? Laurie's kind of library. Um, but um, I want to remind you that if you read those stories, if you read those stories, you'll know that 
the kingdom of God faces obstacles, right? Cars break down, no finances in the bank, Peter's stuck in prison. Man, this kind of gift can happen corporately as a church is praying. And then in, in the book of Acts, Peter's stuck in prison, the church is praying, and these, 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 these shackles fall off, and, and the, the, he goes out of the prison and, and rocks up at the church. Friend, there, there isn't any stopping the kingdom of God because the people are praying, and, and Peter carries on preaching, and, 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 the, and when there's these threats of violence, the Spirit comes down, and, and there's manifestations of God's glory. It, it, this church is moving forward. The obstacles are there, but God is moving them out the way. <laughs> And I long to see that. I long to see the kingdom of God gaining traction. Where What is the obstacle? Oh, the Lord is able to provide. God is able. We can trust him. Uh, I, won't, I must move on. My, my second part is, oh, I'm doing well, sorry, um, is, is the gifts of healing. All right. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 9. To another faith by the same spirits. To another gift of healing by the one spirit. Friends, this is a wonderful gift. And, and, and what I want us to be, yeah, I'll get that near the end. But this is a really precious way of loving people. <laughs> Those in the kingdom and not yet in the kingdom. But the, the Greek word is hyamatone, which means to cure. I like that, cure or, or a healing. But cure gives a good word of, of there was a problem in the natural body. And the Spirit, through God's people, touch it, and there's a cure. There's a rearranging to health. And so the definition is the particular ability given to some to bring physical healing to others by the Spirit. It's just an increased way of God using you. That's all that the gift means. Every Christian should be praying for people who are sick, including themselves. But do you notice that it is plural? It says gifts. Uh, why does it say uh, gifts in, in the scripture that I read at the beginning of this, this point? Can you put up 1 Corinthians uh, 12 verse 9. It's the plural. There we go. Well, because God heals in many different ways. It's very important to know this. Uh, if you look, <laughs> there is no rule. Jesus can lay on hands. He can have someone touch his clothes. He can do remote prayer for the centurion's servant. He can spit and use mud. Paul used handkerchiefs. Peter, people would just walk under his shadow and be, or be put under his shadow and be healed. I mean, the, the healings in Scripture are wonderfully diverse. And they, they come in many different ways. And there are so many examples in the Old and New Testament. I, I won't go through them now. You, you know many of them. But I want to cover some big questions for us as a church around healing. My third point is asking the question, does God still heal today? And a most resounding yes. Friends, there would not be gifts of healing given to the church if God was not interested in healing, right? We don't hold a position that the perfect, 1 Corinthians, is, is the Bible. No, the perfect is Christ coming in. Until Christ comes again, there's going to be a need for healing on planet Earth. Amen? And uh, we would never see it institutionalized in the leadership of the church. In James chapter 5, it's very clear, verse 14 and 15, and, and we're going to make a moment after the service just to do obediently what God calls us to do. He says, if anyone, anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. We'll explain it a bit later. But that prayer of faith is given. It's not generated. It can't be um, accessed automatically. Just as faith was given to you as a gift at your salvation, faith grows as a gift and is given as a gift. But um, we see that it's institutionalized in the church. Elders are meant to model praying for the sick because God has a heart to heal. 
Um, healing was central to Jesus' ministry in the coming of God's kingdom. I, I won't go into all the details, but when Jesus sent out the 72 in Luke chapter 10, verse 9, he says, Heal the sick in that village and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. One of the signs of Jesus' kingship and, and, and victory is seeing these enemies of sin and death and, and sickness being placed under his feet. And we see healing is a part of of Christ's atoning work on the cross. This is massive. When Jesus atoned on the cross, he bought our salvation. And we'll explain how that is ministered. But friends, on the cross, Jesus could say, um, by, I mean, Peter could say in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, he says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Right? So something powerful, some, a victory happened on the cross. It gets ministered in stages, we'll see. But um, what's important to note is there's victory. There, he atoned for it. My fourth point is, does God's healing include medicine? And uh, I want to turn your attention to Psalm 103, verse 2 to 3, where David says, Bless the Lord, bless Yahweh, O my soul, and forget not, let's say, all. Can we all say All. All his benefits. Who forgives? All your iniquity. Who heals? I remember praying through the psalm on, on holiday a couple of years ago, saying, God, is that really quite true? Do you heal all our diseases? Friends, I'll tell you what has been an encouragement in preparing this sermon personally for me, is does God's healing include medicine? Yes. Do you know why? It's because in Scripture, please listen to me, this is a very important point. In Scripture, God gets credit for all healing. Do you notice that? Who heals all your diseases? It's Him. What is the name in Exodus chapter, I think it is, uh, Exodus chapter 15, verse 26? He is called Jehovah Rapha, which is the God who heals. And it's a part of it. He wants credit for any form of healing. Friends, healing is simply the arresting. This is important. It is simply the arresting or averting the natural process of death in the human body. Not so? Is that someone's phone? No problem. Happens to the best of us. Okay. It's probably appropriate to push pause. Healing is any arresting or averting of the natural process of death in the human body. Friends, can I remind you today that because of the curse of sin, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And how many of you attended at Sterling Primary recently um, a little boy named Callum's a fundraiser. I don't know if you were there. We were, we were sick, funnily enough. He has aplastic anemia. And friends, that means he has got no immune system. It means the common cold or flu could kill him. Who gave you your immune system? I need you to participate here. There we go. Did you sit and think this would be a great idea? Friends, the fact that you have a God-given immune system is God's grace. That it is actively there preventing what should be the inevitable, which is death. 
And friends, this immune system, this body is designed by God. You take away that immune system, there's nothing between you and death, my friend. This is common grace. Believers and unbelievers have both, have got immune systems, but they are God-given. And God wants credit for it. Amen? He wants credit for it. That means every time you make it through the cold and flu, you go, thank you, God, for healing me. <laughs> because by right, it should kill you. And medicine in and of itself, of what substances is this medicine made? And, and, and who made the mind to comprehend it? It's God's stuff. You are having access to his beautiful creation and brilliant God-designed mind. God has enabled his world through his gracious will to have healing properties to a dying and decaying body. Are you with me? And that is why when we say, does God use medicine? Amen. Absolutely. He uses his God-designed immune system. He uses this world that he's made. And friends, if there, and he uses miracles we've seen by the Holy Spirit. However healing comes, he wants the credit for it because he is a God who heals. And he heals all our diseases. Ah, but you might ask me, does he heal every disease? My fourth point is, does God always heal? I want to point your attention to this Psalm 103, verse 2 to 3. This is very important because now we're going to get to what we believe as a church around God's healing on planet Earth. David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, and if you had to ask me, does God always heal? Well, I'll ask you, what do you mean by that? It depends who you mean, and it depends when you mean it. And, and church, can I just call us to, through God's word this morning, to be gospel-centered in our understanding of healing. This is very, very important. Please, I need your full attention we must be gospel-centered in our thinking around physical healing. And I, I, we want to answer this question, what, does God always heal? Well, who do you mean? Who does it apply to? And, and, and does God always mean? Well, when do you mean it? We must think biblically about this very carefully. And I, I want to unpack what the gospel says in no uncertain terms. Is Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 tells us that we are born already dead. <laughs> in our trespasses and sins. So we are already spiritual corpses in terms of a relationship with God. There is no reconciliation. God is your judge. He's not your father. That's how you're born. You are an enemy of God. Your natural desire is to do everything that is against what he commands. And so in essence, when you talk about the body, merely the natural trajectory of the human is that this physical death is merely catching up with the spiritual. Are you with me? You with me? Very important. Not lots. Okay. You are on borrowed time. Your short, brief life is merely a catch-up with your spiritual state but God. And friends, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 is very clear about that. But then John 3.16, the famous gospel in a nutshell verse, it says, but God's not going to leave it like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. There we go. That's the consequence of sin. But have eternal life. And what the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is, it is the radical reversal of the fall. You with me? 
that for those who by grace and faith believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, what should have been their trajectory, which is perishing, already spiritually separated from God and, and their, their bodies catching up, is God steps in. And through faith, by grace, in Jesus Christ, uh, we are born again. We, we receive an eternal life. And that massive uh, trajectory of hell, of separation and eternal death is reversed in Jesus Christ. You with me? But this is it. Is this eternal life? Although in Jesus it is yes and amen, it is ministered to us in stages. Did you hear what I said? You do not get the full package of your salvation the moment you believe. It is given to you in stages. Can you nod if you're with me so far? Okay. And you'll know there are three famous stages of the, of the Christian which we have to work through that, that keeps us gospel-minded. The first is, is that at that point of salvation in Jesus Christ, we receive a down payment of eternal life already. The Bible talks, you have been saved. Can we all say it together? You have been saved. That means something of the eternal life has touched you already. Remember that great uh, verse that says, if any man is in Christ, any woman is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You have received the new birth, my friend. You have been born again to a living hope. And you are never going to be the same again. You've received the spirit of adoptions that no longer is God your judge. You call him father. And you're justified. This judge has declared you not guilty. Therefore, you're no longer under that judgment. You've come into his family. You're now a son and daughter of the living God. Forever you will be justified. Forever you'll be uh, reconciled to God. Forever you'll be in Christ. At that level, you have received eternal life. Amen? Very important. In your position, you have been made holy. In your position, you have received eternal life. At that stage, you have been saved. But has this eternal life touched every area of your life yet? No. How many of you woke up this morning in a body that was a bit achy, right? Come on. I had to do swimming with my kids the last couple of days. I woke up this morning and go, oh. Friends, are you still in the same body when you believed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Right? Are you still, do you still have the same mind? Did, did that memory bank of all the naughty things you did suddenly get wiped away? You know, friends, do you still have thoughts that are very different to what Jesus would want for your life? Friends, we are in a stage where although we have received a down payment of eternal life, God now wants to minister that from our position into our behavior, into every area. So Romans 12 is very clear. After this great justification by faith, what is the right response? He says, well, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. He wants grace, this eternal life, to start changing the way we think and conforming it to what we are in Christ. And he says, we must offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And, and friends, God wants to minister this eternal life into our behavior, into these areas of our life, so that, that this righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit is pervasive, that we start looking like Christ, although we are in Christ, that we start to experience our holiness in our behavior that works out from our holiness in our position. We are progressively, by being under the yoke of the Spirit, being delivered from the remnants of sin. Are you with me? We are being saved. Can you not? Very important. We're in the in-between. 
But there is going to come a day where we are going to be with Jesus. It is called our glorification, and it will be our final act. We will be saved, which means every ounce of remnant of sin in our bodies, minds, wherever we will be delivered from, praise God. There's going to come a resurrection body on the day of glorification where there will be no tears, no sickness, no death. And friends, that is the work that God is talking about when he says he will complete the good work that he started in you. He's not talking about sanctification. He's saying the moment you got justified, he'll make sure it'll land up in you being glorified. And there is an ultimate day that's coming where we'll be delivered from the full effects of sin by receiving a resurrection body and being in glory. Isn't that wonderful? We will be saved. Can you all say, we will be saved. And it is the same tense as for the kingdom. The kingdom has come. It was inaugurated in Jesus, but it has not yet fully come. That's why we pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's more kingdom to come. And then it will finally come. And on that day of consummation of all things, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. If you don't have that framework as you read your Bible, you'll be open to misapplying where you're at and the guarantee of what you can ask for. Are you with me? Are you with me? So my friends, I come back to the question, does God always heal? Well, I mean, who do you talk who are you talking about? If you're talking about the believer, yes. Yes. And friends, when do we mean that? It means it, it does not matter ultimately what happens in this decaying body. Does God still touch it and heal it, bring relief? Yes. But ultimately, the believer is gospel-minded. We know that for those who are in Christ, the final defeat of sickness is guaranteed and glorification guarantees a future of victory over sin and death and disease. Yes, he heals all our diseases. And notice this is not David talking to the world. He's talking to his soul. He says, bless Yahweh. He's a believer in the God of the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. From this seed, we'll see victory come, Christ, from Abraham. He's talking to himself, bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits, who, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. He sees both in this life God's merciful healing, but he sees God's ultimate healing being vindicated when he receives the resurrection body. Are you with me so far? Okay. So the greatest healing you can bring someone, church, is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is eternal healing. That is an eternal hope. That is the promise of a greater glory of relief than anything on planet Earth can offer. But so when you ask the question, does God always heal, you must ask the person answering, asking it, what do you mean by it? Because what they are asking is the in-between stage. Okay, so we can see glorification being God's ultimate healing. What's the difference now between our justification and our glorification? The in-between on planet Earth, does God guarantee healing? I'm going to surprise you perhaps with my reformed background answer. I say he often does. Friends, if you make it to 70 years old, you've been through a lot of coughs and colds in your life. Really? God has rescued you more than once. Amen? 
That's his heart. The natural decay should you be going, you should, be, you should have met Jesus a lot sooner than what you would have thought. But God has healed you. And it does not matter whether it be medicine or miracles. God's behind both. And, and friends, today, can we just be grateful for a God who loves to heal? He loves looking after people well. What a God. But does he always? No, no. And the simple proof is, unfortunately, my friend, you are going to die. There are only two people that I know of that, that managed to escape this passage. You can correct me if I'm wrong. was Enoch and Elijah. Don't make your exception God's determined path for your glory. Friends, what that means is, what that means is, this is important today. As a church, where do we stand on Scripture? We believe this, that we have a God who loves to heal. Amen? And our lives are living proof of it. He is not stingy. He is not, he's not a God that goes, well, let's see how well you do with this one. He knows if he removes his hand of grace, we are goners. <laughs> Whether that be common grace or healing, a special grace, it doesn't matter. Friends, we believe in a God who heals. And he heals regularly. We're living proof of it. But, friends, ultimately, any healing in this body is temporary. Can I get a nod? It is God's mercy of relieving you from suffering in some way until you are glorified. And any healing, this is why we seek this gift to be operating in the church. It is a flash of glory of what is promised to the believer on that day. It is a reminder that God is sovereign over disease. That his victory is being reminded to the church and to the world saying, Guys, my king is coming, Christ. And every time there is a flash of God's glory in healing in this temporary body, it is a vindication of the gospel that preaches ultimate healing in Jesus Christ. Praise God. And so should we actively seek to pray for healing? My sixth point is, yes, friends. If there is a God who is as merciful as the Father of Jesus Christ, how much more can we be confident to move towards people as his ambassadors? This God whose heart is compassion. This God who reflected our hearts of compassion in his son's ministry. And people, his people are being conformed to his son. We are to be active in praying for healing because it reflects the heart of God. And it is a powerful testimony to the gospel. Read your book of Acts. The, people, the disciples are not interested in what they did they're interested in the message it vindicates and the people it blesses, the gospel. And can I say, church, if you're looking for an opportunity to talk about Jesus, it's a great time when someone needs him, needs him in healing, right? It's a great time to be a blessing. And, and the seventh is, what if God doesn't heal? My seventh point is, well, you stay gospel-minded. You stay gospel-minded. I'll never forget a conversation with a young mom who... who, who passed away from an, an illness, and we prayed for years, and God gave her a number of more years than what she, was, she should have had, but it was still tough. She wanted more, and we knew God was calling her home. 
And it changed. I, I said to her, Sister, you're going to be with Jesus. Your opportunity now is to show the glory of what that means to those who are closest to you. You see, you get there, not in you be gospel-minded. You reckon there's ultimate healing for you, my sister. And if the person doesn't know Jesus, you can say, God, go, uh, friend, brother, there is a healing for you here. And, and you get the, the believer to be gospel-minded themselves. You say, remember, in Christ, my friends, it is just a short till we see you again. It is not a forever. I mentioned Granny Gaynor last week. I miss her terribly. I miss my biological gran. But I remind myself, what is a few years? A twinkling of an eye. I can't wait to go give her a big hug. Say, it's so good to be with you. Friends, we, we believe in the Bible more than our life experience. Don't worry about making excuses for God. You be obedient to be a blessing. And you be a blessing not only in your practical prayer for healing, but in the confidence you show in the gospel. Do you hear me? In the gospel. How do you know if you have this gift? I have seen it work in the person just feels such compassion. You'll find yourself wandering through hospitals. You'll, you'll find yourself, you know, you, you, you just are burdened. You have such a merciful heart towards those who are sick. You feel a surge of compassion when you pray. You have unusual faith for it. You just feel, Lord, I can ask you for this. It, perhaps it's the prayer of faith seen more regularly in the heart of the one who has the gift. You just feel, no, I can ask God. He, he loves this person. I'm going to trust him. I'm not backing off until you say no. And maybe it's that you have a specific way of God speaking to you in the services. Maybe you just feel as you're worshiping, there's someone here with a very sore back, sore knee, brain. Like you, 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 you just, and you come to the Lord and say, I just feel God has a, on his heart somebody who's suffering in this way. Can we pray into that? Amen. And how do I use it? Can I just say lastly, this is my last point. As a pharmacist, when somebody comes to you with illness, please listen very carefully. I mean, there are times I've just said behind the counter in, uh, where I worked in the pharmacy, when last did you take a holiday? And they will say, what's that? Friends, there are practical means of grace that if a person ignores, it's going to be a problem. I mean, the amount of ladies that have come up to me and they say, I'm exhausted. I think I've got chronic fatigue syndrome and I've got yuppie flu. I say, can you just show me your eyelids here? You look like you're anemic. I cannot see hemoglobin anywhere in your body. You know, people, as a, as a pharmacist, I've had people come across with drug interactions. Their blood pressures are not, pulls are not working anymore. They, they were put on too high a dose. There are many practical things that you must look at. This person is a whole person. They're, just, they're not just a spiritual problem. They're a body, mind, and spirit. And unless, as a, as a wise Christian, you are looking and saying, is this person ministering to themselves in a holistic way? You will miss, you'll be praying for things that they can attend to and feel better in a short space of time. You must listen. You must pray with great compassion. Um, Laurie, I'll quickly stand up. You'll notice, notice us. We, we lay hands. Don't you feel loved when I do this? Good. We believe in a God who loves and is affectionate and touches people's lives by his spirit. And he, the reason why we do this in the book of Acts, we see it is because we believe God works through his people. It's an affirmation of the fact that I'm in the, in the kingdom of God. I can pray for you by the help of the Spirit and be open to being used by God. 
Friends, we, we put hands, I mean, do it appropriately. Some, some cultures don't like it, don't do it. If it's inappropriate in cross-gender, don't do it. Just be, just be wise, but, but be loving. Pray specifically. Don't just pray, Lord, bless them and send them on their way. Ask them, what the problem is? What can we stand together specifically for? Let's pray together. And then don't put your confidence in God. You know, friends, so often as an elder, I'll be honest, when someone comes to me with, 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 with a sickness, I'm going, oh, God. What have I got to do? This person's going to know. I can't actually, I'm not really anything to write home about. There's this, there's this moment of feeling absolute weakness. Praise God for it. That's how it should be. And when they come and pray, you put your confidence in a God who is loving, a God of the gospel, a God who is offering out his son, Jesus Christ, and a God who loves to heal. Is you, and don't worry about generations, this and this and that. Friends, in the, what you come, Jesus did not take a long time to interview the person to figure out what was wrong. He says, what, did you, what do you need? What do you need? How can I help you? And then what I have learned, which I don't always get right, but I have learned that the person really appreciates when you follow up afterwards. Stop the message. How are you doing? How's it going? The aim of these gifts is to pursue love. Wouldn't you love to be a part of a church that if you're sick, the whole church is rallying in prayer and encouragement and a desire to be a blessing? Wouldn't you love that? Wouldn't you love it if somebody's got a, a problem that, that in the natural, you're going, oh, Lord Jesus, help. That church goes, come and stand together in prayer. Let's pray for this. Friends, I would love us. We, we, we want to be a part of a church that pursues love and earnestly desires the spiritual gifts to express that love. And can I say, if that is the seedbed of an eagerness to be a blessing and to be loving to our brothers and sisters, watch those gifts grow. Won't be everybody. But friends, I, I'm sure the Spirit will honor a heart that reflects His own, which is a desperate desire to see these people be built up in Christ and to find people not yet in the kingdom being blessed by Jesus. Amen? Well done today. Let's stand together. Let's pray. I want to pray for you. If you have been stirred today to be a blessing to your brothers and sisters and to be more open to the Spirit's prompting to the needs of those around you and to pray and to be actively desiring to be a blessing, would you just put your hands out in front of you as a sign of saying, Lord, would you grant me this request? Father, I pray for us this morning as a church that you would embed in us your truth, the truth of the gospel, that you would make us a gospel-minded people, that we would say, as we hold out Christ, we hold out eternal life. <laughs> I pray that people who don't yet know Jesus would be richly upon our hearts and that we would be faithful to call our brothers and sisters to the gospel. <laughs> in times of trouble and distress and delay. But I do pray as well, Lord, that you would grow these people around us on our hearts today, that we would be a people that carry 
your body in our hearts, Jesus, and that we would be a people characterized by an eagerness to love. I pray, Lord, these would feel like very close family. And I pray, Lord, that you would awaken the gifts of healing in this place. Lord, that we would see as we pray, Lord, we are asking for you to come and answer for the sake of Christ, for the well-being of those we're praying for, and for the glory of the gospel. Would you reveal yourself in this way to those that know you here and those that don't yet know you? We want to be a people quick to move towards those in need. We pray the same for this working of miracles. Lord, I love the fact that you are so open about what they could look like. And I pray today that there be an eagerness in us, Lord, as a church to pray for need. Not just us locally here, Lord, but globally, nationally, would be a people that trust in a God that loves to answer prayer and to see his kingdom come. Lord, the days are short. Would you make them useful? Lord, would you mobilize us by this love to be a blessing we ask? In Jesus' name, amen. As you go, Laurie and I were talking. We would love to pray according to James 5. Anybody that is sick and that's wanting a prayer of some sort for some form of healing, big or small, it doesn't matter. In God's eyes, it's the same. We'd love to pray for you. Um, and then they also have some deacons and um, some guys stay around afterwards. Okay, so enjoy coffee. But we'll see you next week. If you want prayer, please come forward and let's put God's word into practice.